Welcome to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. I'm your host, Drew Lyon, and I want to thank you for joining me as we explore the world of small grains production and research at Washington State University. In each episode, I speak with researchers from WSU and the USDA ARS to provide you with insights into the latest research on wheat and barley production. If you enjoy the WSU Wheat Beat podcast, do us a favor and subscribe on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. And leave us a review while you're there so others can find the show too. My guest today is Dr. Culvinder Gill. Culvinder is a professor of genetics from the Department of Crop and Soil Sciences at Washington State University. With a focus on wheat, his research program focuses on understanding genetic and molecular mechanisms controlling agronomically important traits of wheat and translating that information into developing novel technologies for crop improvement. Recently, he has been understanding traits controlling heat stress tolerance in wheat and developing germplasm and markers for its selection. Hello, Colvinder. Hello, Drew. So uh, your group's kind of been working lately on understanding the tillering trait of wheat. Why are you interested in, in that trait? Yeah, tillering trait is very important for yield because it allows fewer seed to make more spikes. But at the same time, uh, more tillers are not always better. If you look at old varieties, they will set 10 tillers, two or three will be productive, and then others non-productive tillers are wasting our very valuable resources. So the ideal uh, tiller number is that fewer tiller, all equally productive. So that's why understanding the trade and mechanism will allow us to make sure that whatever tiller we plant sets, they are equally productive and valuable. Okay, so so my understanding of tillering, it's part of the plant's plasticity, so it's reacting to the environment. So if you limit that number, does can the plant still adjust to the different... I mean, one re- reason wheat's on so many acres is it's able to handle all sorts of different environments and still produce. So I've, I've, I've often discussed, are you better off with fewer tillers or more tillers? And I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of curious about, about that. So, so wheat is a grass, right? So as we know, grass can set pretty much unlimited number of tillers. And then the ancient, the uh, wild relatives of wheat, they are in that category. They can set a lot of tillers. Uh, but uh, that is not a good trait if other tillers don't produce as much as the main tiller. So the question you raised, are the more or the less better? I say most important part is as many tillers as we can set that are equally productive without wasting our resources is an ideal number. And that ideal number may change. In a land, the number may be different than in blues. So, and then if we grow wheat, a specific variety in a controlled condition, it is highly stable trait. But in the, in the natural environment, especially like in this year, number of tillers pretty much shrunk to half. So it's very responsive to environment. Okay. So what, what's your group been finding about the tillering trait? So we, uh, our uh, group, uh, because wheat is such a complex genome, we try to use information from model systems like Arabidopsis or rice and then see if we can know more about wheat traits. So in this case, we cloned a gene that actually controls tiller. So what we have learned is that this gene 
uh, its expression uh, is at the crown of the plant. That's where the growing tip is. And the, we learned a lot about the wheat plant also. We always thought that wheat grows uh, as the plant grows, but no, the growth happens at the base and then the leaves just extend. And that's why that you can keep cutting the leaves from the top and it keeps growing because the growing tip is hidden in the crown. So this gene expresses there and controls number of tillers and the initiation of it. So it, may, it controls how many tiller buds are going to be made. And it has some role to play in the extension of that tiller. Although many other hormones are involved in that process, we are long ways to go before we completely understand because the extension of the side tillers will determine how productive that tiller is going to be. If it is a weak tiller, it's going to set weak spike and then that the energy it will take probably be the same as the good healthy tiller. So we want the, our energy going into good productive tiller rather than a weakling. Okay, so you're trying to figure out how to get the plant not to develop those weak tillers. Uh, so, uh, but once it is initiated or uh, differentiated, then we want it to develop into a normal fertile tiller. Okay. And we will, I mean, I'll take 20 tillers any day if they're equally productive. Okay. That way we can cut the seed rate to one third or less. Okay. So, so you've been talking, as we've been talking here, about the number of tillers and the number of spikelets or, or heads in the same sentence. What's the connection between tillers and spikelets? Yeah. I mean, before this project, uh, personally, I always thought that, okay, tillers initiate uh, at two or two, three leaf stage, and then the spikes differentiate much later. To our surprise, both happen pretty much at the same time. So even the spike differentiation or the spikelets, they also differentiate very early during the plant development. And why it is important? Those uh, spikelets are sockets where grains will be filled. More sockets means more op option to have more grains in a spike. Although the process that how many grains actually get filled is a, is a separate discussion, but if we don't even have room to set those seed, then so spikelet number is very, very important trait for yield. And what we found was the same gene control both traits. So that is, we didn't know that before. We found that while we were studying tillering trait. Okay, so with this one one gene, you can control both very important processes. Right. And they respond both ways, that is, in, in the same direction. That is, if we get more tiller, and then it has more spikes also. And although we found that uh, the same gene, by manipulating genes promoter, we can have it express more in the for spike development, less for tiller, and vice versa. So there is room to manipulate it differentially for these two very important traits, but it's the same gene. Interesting. So, so um, explain to me how this finding translates into something that the growers can appreciate. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, as I said, that uh, wheat is a very complex trait, 100,000 genes, and each gene, uh, there is many different aspects of it. So, once we understand this gene, we will be able to manipulate what are the ideal number of tillers that uh, come up with. So if we simply put, initially we may develop a marker that can tell us, okay, if we select this type of marker, uh, the plant will have four tillers that will do good in, say, land area. 
And that is possible once we understand this. Are we there yet? No. We are working on it. There we follow up experiments. But that is the hope that uh, uh, when we understand this process completely, then not even completely early on also as we learn uh, my focus is always on application, so we look for ways how we can use that information for crop improvement while we are learning more about the trait. So initially the focus is we will develop a marker that breeders can use to select ideal teller number for different environmental conditions. Okay. I could, you know, just thinking about it here briefly, I could see where in like an irrigated situation where you know you're going to have so much water, you can kind of predict how, how many tillers or spikelets your plant you want the plant to develop. And as you get into more drier environments, maybe it's a little more difficult to predict, but um, you can pick a different number. Like, would irrigated be just one tiller <laughs> might be the optimum of just plant at a high seed rate and get a really productive tiller? Or uh, well, I mean, uh, uh, my personal um a preference would be a lot of tillers equally productive okay. so that we can cut the seed rate because right now we need a lot of seed, yeah, which true. is expensive item for farmers. So, uh, I mean, I'm always greedy. I want more tillers but equally fertile. So then we can actually reduce the seed rate and still harvest the same crop even better. Okay, very good. So what are the next steps in the project? So um, uh, the... Uh, uh, first, so as I said, that uh, application is pretty important part uh, with whatever we do in our lab. So I want to know what is an ideal tiller number in different uh, environments and uh, also uh, especially under heat. We've been doing quite a bit of work under this heat project that uh, how do tiller numbers respond at elevated temperature? And is the uh, side tiller growth the same or does it get compromised? And one thing we learned that a plant knows which is main tiller and which is side tiller. That was pretty exciting for us to know. So that gives us that we can separate the side tillers from main tillers. So we will have to first understand how this gene responds under different environments. And that will give us clue that can we develop a marker for this gene for breeders to use when they are breeding for different environments. Like for example, for low rainfall, we may be able to develop that say, okay, if you, uh, you select for a plant having this much expression of this gene, then you're likely to find up optimal tiller number for a particular environment. That's the goal, immediate goal. And the longer term, we want to understand molecular mechanism, its interaction with other hormones so that we can actually engineer an ideal plant with the ideal number of tillers and ideal number of spikelets. Very interesting and exciting stuff. Uh, if our listeners wanted to find out more about this, is there a place they can go to learn about uh, what's happening in your lab? Uh, the paper uh, is uh, uh, under uh, uh, review, but they can always call me. And uh, because the information we put on the website is very limited since it's one page. Okay. But uh, until the paper publishes, and even like growers may not be interested in reading this 15-page paper, uh, they can just the best way is probably just call me. Okay. And we'll make sure to put your contact information in the show notes. Thank you, Colvinder. All right. Thank you. 
Thanks for joining us and listening to the WSU Wheat Beat Podcast. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcasting app. If you have questions or topics you'd like to hear on future episodes, please email me at drew.lyon, that's L-Y-O-N, at wsu.edu. You can find us online at smallgrains.wsu.edu and on Facebook and Twitter at WSU Small Grains. The WSU Wheat Beat Podcast is a production of Connors Communications in the College of Agricultural, Human, and Natural Resource Sciences at Washington State University. I'm Drew Lyon. We'll see you next time. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed by guests of this podcast are their own and does not imply Washington State University's endorsement.